Welcome, everybody. This is the Mr. Batch Show with your host, Grayson Sidlaskis. And my I have a guest here today, my boy, Phil. And we're gonna be, today we're going to be talking about our top five best pitchers in the Major League Baseball. So, Phil, you go. All right. So, personally, at number five, I have Bob Gibson. He was a great pitcher. He pitched for the Cardinals for a long time. Um, he had a total, like... His win record was 251 and 174. Um, he ended up pitching almost 4,000 innings, which is a very impressive feat. And he had a very good ERA all time at 2.91, which is really nice. Um, and his total war was 82.3, which puts him in the top five of all time. So that's really good. Um, so then at number four, I have Greg Maddox, who pitched for the Braves and the Padres. Um, he was 355 and 227 on the career, and he has the most innings pitched of any pitcher of all time at 5,008, which is just super impressive. And on top of that, he had 3.16 ERA. Um, so then at nine, number three, I have Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens might be the most single dominant pitcher of all time. Um, so he went 354 and 184 on the career. He almost hit 5,000 innings pitch, but he only went 4,916, but he had a better ERA than Maddox, so I have him higher. Then at number two, we have Clayton Kershaw. He's still in the league, and he's probably the best pitcher still in the league. He's 144-64, and but he's not done pitching, and most likely he won't be done for another 5-10 years. He's already at 2,000 innings pitched, and he has a 2.36 ERA, which is just super impressive. Um, and then personally, my number one pitcher of all time is Sandy Koufax. He pitched in a later era, like the 1950s to 1960s, but even still, he's just super dominant. Um, he went 165 and 87, only pitched 2,500 innings, so he had a shorter career, but when he did that, he really just made a big impact on the league. So I'll hand it over to you. Alright, for my top five pitchers, I got Pedro Martinez. He's He played in the 1900 to 2001. Like several others, the Pedro Martinez had, was a top ten pitcher. Uh, and mo- he played for the Boston Red Sox. He, and he started with the Montreal Expos. Martinez hurled 13 complete games with a 1.9 ERA. 305 strikeouts in 1997, winning the NL Cy Young almost unanimously. In 1999 and 2000, he was unanimous and winner of the AL Cy Young Award. He also finished top three in voting 1998, 2002, and 2003. A rotator cuff cuff injury limited him to 18 starts in 2001. Keeping him out of the Cy Young race, but he still struck out 163 batters in 116.2 innings that year. For my number, for my number two, we have Cy Young. Also, he's also known for the Cy Young Award. Trying Cy Young's numbers today, baseball is is exercise and it's futility. Just during his five-year stretch, he pitched 184 complete games with a 1.93 ERA. Clemens had 118 complete games in his 24-year career, and he has thrown more complete games than anyone, dating back to 1984. 
my for my number three, we got Randy Johnson. His crew. And he had a five-year peak from 1998 to 2002. Randy Johnson won 100 games from 1998 to 2002 between Seattle, Houston, and Arizona. The brief stop in Houston was the most ridiculous. He went 10-1 and in 11 starts without, with four shutouts and a 1.28 ERA. He actually got a couple votes for 1998 NL Cy Young, even though he was the only Astros for two months. He did win the Cy Young in each of the next four seasons with Diamondbacks. During those five seasons, he had a 2.63 ERA. For number four, we got Walter Johnson. Uh, the beauty of Walter Johnson's career, you can't... He had a five-year stretch from 1907 through 1998, and he might mighty impressed during those 13 seasons he only twice posted era above 1.90 and it was never higher than 2.2 for my number five we got christy maths one and his he also had a five-year peak from 1907 to 1911 and christy maths one career was a few sh- few years shorter than each other players in the top four and why why Matthews best individual season actually came two years before starts of his bullseye peak all right and note those are my top five open my mind welcome back everybody Welcome back to another episode of the Mr. Bat Show, and I'm I'm Grayson, and Phil's back here again. And today we're going to talk about our top five hitters. All right, Phil, you go first. All right, so my number five, I have Mickey Mantle. He played from 1951 to 1968, and he played with the Yankees for his entire career. Um, as a big New York baseball legend as there had ever been, like probably the second best Yankees player of all time, other than Babe Ruth himself. He's arguably the best switch hitter in all of history, and he has the 11th best OPS in history and the 7th best OPS plus in history, which is one of the best stats you can have. Mantle's 536 home runs are still 18th all time, but it's in October that Mantle truly separates himself. When he's in the playoffs, he's one of the all-time best players of all time. Uh, At number 9, I have Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez played from 1993 to 2011. There have been a few right-handed batters that are as good as him. Since the MLB expansion era, Ramirez is second only to Barry Bonds himself in terms of career OPS. He's also top 10 in 20, no, top 10 in home runs and RBIs. Fans could pretty much always count on him for a home run, as his rate at bats for home run is the 11th best ever. At number three, we have Stan Musial. Stan Musial played from 1941 to 1963. Uh, Stan the Man Musial racked up incredible numbers and was as consistent as hitter as there ever has been. Mark's, er, yeah. Musial's career mark for wins above replacement is 8th best in career and his OPS is 13th best. Musial also ranks top 4 all time for hits, total bases, 8th best in terms of career RBIs and steals. He virtually won every hitting record in the National League history at the time and, seventh, uh, and won 7 batting titles. At number two, I have Willie Mays. Willie Mays is one of the greatest legends of baseball's modern era. 
Everybody knows he was extremely gifted in the field, but that talent was matched by what he could do in the batter's box. Mays is one of the most irreplaceable players in baseball history, holding the third best mark in wins above replacement among all position players. He was extremely prolific during his career, and he had a whopping 660 home runs, which is fifth best in history. And he's one of only three players to ever collect at least 6,000 total bases. And at number one, personally, I have Barry Bonds. He played from 1986 to 2007 with the Giants. In the shadow of performance and enhancing drugs didn't hang so heavily over Barry Bonds' MLB career, he'd probably be everybody's number one, but some people will look over that. Um, instead, he's still waiting to be granted entry to Hall of Fame, which I still think he should be. That's my top five. Hang it over to Grayson. For my top five, we have one of my favorites, Hank Aaron, played from 1954 to 1976. He's perhaps one of the best power hitters in baseball history. We also have, he also has a nickname called Hammerin' Hank. This guy broke Babe's, Babe's record and career home run record and held himself for more than 30 years. Every season from 1955 to 1973, Aaron hit at least 24 homers which is an amazing achievement on his own. In addition to crushing baseballs, he still holds the mark for most RBIs collected and the third most total hits ever. For my number two, we have Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb played from 1905 to 1928. The, the legend, Ty Cobb, was about, to, was about as dominant in his own era as any player has ever been. He set a ton of offensive records during his career, mostly spent with Detroit Tigers and likely forever hold his marked career batting average at .3662 over the span of 24 seasons. For my number three, we have Ted Williams, also known as the Splendid Splinter. He put together a long, amazing list of stats, but he won that perhaps most legendary was his batting average. His batting average was 0.406 average in 1941, which still marks the last time a player has topped the 400 batting average in a single season. Unquestionably, the best hitter is to never win a World Series. Williams has best career on base percentage in MLB history at 0.4817. For number four, we got Lou, Lou Greig, perhaps the all-time icon of the Yankees. Also, he's also known as the Iron Horse. Had his career cut short because of his terrible disease, that would be named for him, but he submitted on the hell of legacy before that. Grig ranks the top three all-time on-base plus slugging percentage all three times. He's also the sixth best and most RBIs. What makes the last stat even more notable is that he collected his 1,995 RBIs in just 17 seasons, which is the most shortest tenure of any player in the top 30 in that category. For number five, we have Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is the legend in baseball history. He played from 1914 to 1935 for the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. In other sports, there will always be an argument who was the GOAT in Major League Baseball. But in baseball, that would never be up to the debate. In addition to be a lights-out pitcher, Babe Ruth was the best hitter to ever step in the batter's box. It's easy to get swallowed up 
by his godlike legend. But when you look at the numbers, you realize how truly talented Babe Ruth was. Hey, welcome back, folks. This is another episode of the Mr. Bad Show, and I have Phil with here, here with me again. And today we're going to talk about the best players in the league right now. Phil, you t- you explain your top five. All right, so at number five, I have Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, so he's already among some of the greatest defensive third basemen to ever play the game. He has eight gold gloves to his name and three silver sluggers. He's an offensive dynamo throughout his eight-year reign in Colorado, as evidenced by 235 home runs in that span, and that's the fourth most in club history. Well, Arenado was most likely to have another great season in St. Louis, um, but who knows, now that he's not playing Coors Field, maybe he'll have a drop that's unlikely to happen. Um, at number nine, uh, four, I have Kristen Yelich, an outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yelich slogged through a dismal 2020. He only hit 205 with 76 strikeouts and 200 at-bats. But let's not forget that only two years ago, he was a two-times back-to-back MVP. The two-time NL batting champ cruised a career high in home runs 44 with 30 steals and hitting 329 in 2019. And surely would he have captured his second straight MVP if it wasn't for a late September knee injury. So who knows what he could do now? Will he come back and have another MVP caliber season? That's my guess. Alright, so at number three, we have Cody Bellinger, an outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bellinger labored through his worst offensive season in 2020, but he played a remarkably steady center field. He joined Ronald Acuna and Trent Grisham as one of the three NL gold gloveless at that position. And he ended up hitting the go-ahead home run in the NLCS Game 7, helping the Dodgers erase a 31 deficit in the route for their first title in 32 years. Um, In his first four seasons, he already has a Rookie of the Year, a Gold Glove, NL MVP, NLCS MVP, and a World Series ring since debuting in 2017. And that's just the start of it. And at number two, I have Jacob deGrom, a right-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. He's arguably the only top 10 player in the league to be a pitcher, and well, he definitely deserves the spot. He has a 2.10 ERA and 11.56 strikeouts per appearance, and he's only allowing a .200 batting average to opposing hitters. A two-time Cy Young winner with potent four-seamer and has an electrifying number on the radar gun. DeGrom at one time owned a streak of 26 consecutive quality starts, a string of dominance equaled by only legend Bob Gibson himself. Alright, and then at my number one player, we have Fernando Tatis Jr. for the San Diego Padres. Tatis is probably the most exciting player to watch in all of baseball. And just recently, there's been a lot of debate about him for hitting a home run when he was, I don't know, connecting on a 3-0 grand slam after being intentionally walked. But it doesn't matter to him because he just wants to play baseball and he's bringing back swag to the game. He's my favorite player to watch and arguably the most fun player to watch in all of the MLB. Alright, this is Grayson and I'm going to explain my top five best in the league right now. Uh, my, my personal number one, Freddie Freeman, first baseman for Atlanta Braves. Had a year registering career highs and homers. He had 38 of them and RBIs of 121. Freeman somehow upped his ants in 2020, rallying from his offseason COVID about about to hit 341, 462, and 640 across 262 plate appearances. 
He also made the All-Stars and led the majors both in doubles in 23 runs scored, 51. En route to the National MVP honors, becoming the first Brave to stand and stop on the mighty pedestal sent Chipper Jones in 1999. For my, for my number two, I got Ronald Acuna Jr., outfielder, the Atlanta Braves. Acuna's average sunk, concerning two batting average 250 during last year's COVID-shortened season. But luckily, his power stroke didn't abandon him, resulting in a career high of 581 slugger percentage that ranked eighth among National League sluggers. Through the remarkable only third on his own team, Freddie Freeman and Marcel Ozuna. The year prior, Acuna was very nearly became the fifth of the MLB's prestigious 40-40 club. For my number three, we have Juan Soto. He's an outfielder for the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals won the World Series in 2020. And uh, Juan Soto had a batting average of 351 and an on-base plus slugging of 1.185. And an on-base percentage of 490. Soto would have been an easy choice for MVP if not for the Nationals, disappointing the last place finish in the National League East. For my number four, we have Mookie Betts, an outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Betts, who may not forget, began his career in the middle infielder. He drew 14 Rookie of the Year stats at second base, but has only logged two appearances since. Has quickly established himself as the Gold Glove standard among MLB right fielders. The five-time Gold Glove recipient has packed plenty into his last three seasons, racking up an MVP award, two World Series rings, and one from the Red Sox and Dodgers, and an American League batting title over that span. For my number five, we have Mike Trout, center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels, also known as the GOAT in this league today. Trout's, Trout's vast greatness already second among active players in, in war, war, trailing the only teammate Albert Pujols in the metric. The 29-year-old from Millville, New Jersey, boasts a lifetime of on-base plus slugging of 1,000. Eighth highest of all time behind only Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Grieg, and Barry Bonds, Jimmy, Jimmy Fox, Hank Greenberg, and Rogers Hornsby. Of those seven, only Bonds played of his century. Trout, whose 302 career home runs are franchise best, just ranked him sixth of plate appearances. He finished up runner-up at AL American League MVP, voting in seven of his nine full seasons. everybody this is the fourth and final episode of the mr bat show and i feel in here today and we're going to talk about our favorite team the tampa bay rays okay so the tampa bay rays are an american professional baseball team based out of st petersburg florida they play in the american league the rays began playing in 1998 and were originally known as the devil rays until the end of the 2007 season 
In years before the advent of the Rays, the Tampa-St. Petersburg area was often suggested as a relocation site for many struggling Major League Baseball teams. The region, the region had been a center for Major League Spring Training camps since Chicago Cubs moved their operation to Tampa in 1913, and many teams expressed interest in moving to a site with a well-established fan base. However, no teams relocated to the area in Tampa Bay went without a Major League franchise until it was granted an expansion team at the 1995 Major League Baseball Owners Meeting. Once before the inaugural season began, Tampa Bay signed future Hall of Fame Wade Boggs, who grew up in Tampa Bay, and further spurred fan interest in the new team. However, the Devil Rays franchise did not have any auspicious beginnings. It posted losing records in each of its first 10 seasons and finished last in its division in every save one when it finished second to last. In 2008, the newly named Rays engineered one of the greatest turnarounds in professional sports history, behind the leadership of man manager Joe Madden and play of young stars Scott Kazmir, Matt Garza, Evan Longoria, Carl Crawford, and the Rays posted a 95-67, and 67, a 29-game improvement from their 2007 mark of 66-96, and 96, and qualified for the play first playoff appearance in the franchise history as AL East Division champions. In the American League Championship, the Rays bested the defending World Series championship champions, the Boston Red Sox, in seven games to advance to the World Series. The Rays lost the World Series in, game, in five games to the Philadelphia Phillies, but their 2008 season still stood as one of the most dramatic one-year turnarounds in sports history. The Rays again reached the playoffs in 2010, and in 2011, they staged the greatest last-month comeback in Major League Baseball history. That season, the team railed, rallied from a nine-game deficit to the Red Sox in the wildcard standings to clinch a playoff berth with a victory in the final game of the season in which they trailed 7-0 in the eighth inning. However, the Rays lost their opening playoff series in both 2010 and 2011. The team won a one-game wildcard postseason contest in 2013, but again lost in the divisional series. The Rays played then fell off, and Madden departed for the Cubs after Tampa Bay finished the 2014 season with a losing record. That season marked the beginning of a four-year-long streak of losing seasons that was snapped in 2018 when the Rays rebuilt, won a surprising 90 games, but finished outside postseason qualification. Tampa Bay further improved in 2019, winning 92 games in the wildcard game to advance to the division series, which they lost in five games. The Rays had the best, best record in the AL in 2020, 40-20, since the MLB shortened its season amid the COVID-19 pandemic and won their second pennant with a seven-game ALCS victory over the Houston Astros. The franchise was denied its championship, however, as the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World, won the World Series in six games. So some of my favorite Rays players of all time have to be Evan Longoria, mainly because he helped carry our team in the early stages when we renamed the team the Rays, and he was one of the best players just Rays history. He had some of the best statistics, he was the most fun to watch, and he really just made the team fun to watch again. Um, in recent years, some of my favorite players have been Kevin Kiermeyer. He's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game and still is, even as his old age. Um, he also helped us win in these last few years, becoming the team more successful and rebuild. And then also some of my most current favorite players to watch is Blake Snell, even though he just recently left, but the two year span he was with us, he won a Cy Young and he really helped us win in that 2020 season, getting us to the World Series and helping us at least get some playoff wins. And currently my favorite players on the Rays have to be Tyler Glass now, arguably gonna win the Cy Young this year, having some great numbers and just an electrifying pitcher. 
And then I also really enjoy watching a new player on the team, Wander Franco. He's not in the Rays Major League team yet, but he's playing for the Durham Bulls, our AAA team. And he's the number one prospect in the MLB, and he's going to be a very exciting player to watch. Remember that one game against the Yankees where it was like 8-1 or 9-1, and they had this very, very long comeback until like 12 12 o'clock against the New York Yankees? Longest game of the season. And this young kid, Evan Longoria, hit the walk-off home run into left field to take the Rays to the World Series. Probably the best moment in all of Rays baseball history.